Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 66. This time, Pippin and I will be talking about what we've been up to and dig deep into WordPress 4.6. But first... This episode is sponsored by WP Pusher. WP Pusher is a pain-free deployment system for your WordPress themes and plugins directly from GitHub or Bitbucket. With WP Pusher, you'll never have to manually copy files over FTP again or manually create zip files. If you enable automatic updates, your client websites will automatically be updated every time you push a change to one of your GitHub or Bitbucket repositories. Uh, and right now, for a limited period of time, as an Apply Filters listener, you can get 20% off your purchase of a WP Pusher by using the discount code Apply Filters. That's all one word. I got to say, I think this is a really slick system. Not too long ago, we turned on GitHub deployments for all of our plugins. So anytime that we release a, a plugin update uh, for ADD, Affiliate WP, Restrict Content Pro, et cetera, uh, it gets deployed directly from our GitHub repositories. And I got to say, it is probably one of the best time savers we've implemented in a long time. Like Our release and update, no matter how big or small, went from a 20-minute 20, 20 process of carefully making sure that we build the zip file and all, and all those things and upload it to 30 seconds. We simply tag, select, and we're done. It's awesome. Yeah, when you go from like something like that taking 20 minutes to none at all, you really appreciate it. Like you appreciate- And you realize how much time, especially if you release a lot of updates, that those updates actually take. And it's, you know, it's interesting when we switched over to, to using Git deployments, um, I originally had always thought about it, like, you know, that's cool, but not really a big deal. Who Like, it's just a couple minutes. doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. No, I was so wrong. Like the amount of just stress that it really removed from not having to, to do all of that. And it, it suddenly made like pushing the smallest point release pain-free that you don't even worry about it at all. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. We did, uh, we actually reviewed WP Pusher on the Delicious Brains blog uh, a few months ago. If anyone missed that, go check it out. That's for a kind of like a companionship between WP Migrating Me Pro and WP Pusher, right? Yeah, yeah, they do They do complement one another quite a bit, right? So they're both in the realm of deployment. So they work well together. There's no seamless deployment with them both. It's not like you could like push your database and it would automatically like, you know, deploy your code or something like that. Although, you know, there is hooks in Migrate TV Pro that could, you could do that, I'm sure. Um, so I think Jeff gets into that a little bit in our blog post. Um, anyways, very cool. Check it out. Thanks, Peter, for, for sponsoring. It's a great looking product. Go check it out. And remember, it's apply filters as a coupon code to save 20% off your purchase. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. All right. So. What have we been up to? Well, uh, just in the last two weeks or so, uh, we've been doing some more Restricted Content Pro updates. It's kind of where some of our, the majority of our focus, at least the focus that we're telling people about so far has been. As I've mentioned a few times in the past, we've been really working over the last four months to rebuild RCP as a product and bring it back to life and do cool things with it. And so we've released two plugin updates for it to like, new professional add-ons. The first one is WooCommerce member discounts. And so if you want to run a club site of any kind with WooCommerce, or you want to give paid subscribers an additional discount or something like that, you can now do that. So you can simply go create a coupon code and say, I want to automatically apply this to any subscriber of my gold plan. And so if you go and you are a paid gold subscriber, you can have the discount automatically applied to your purchase of anything that you purchase through the WooCommerce store. So that was actually released just um, just yesterday, and it's pretty sweet. And then we also released a another add-on called Restrict Past Content. So certain membership sites sometimes want to limit the content that subscribers have access to and make it so that you only get access to content published on or after your registration date. So anything that was published in the past, you don't get access to. There's some kind of unique scenarios on when people want to be able to do this, but so we release an add-on that now, now supports that. And so if you publish content all the time, but you want to make sure that uh, subscribers only get access to the content published after the registration date, that's what this add-on does. 
Cool. So for the WooCommerce add-on, I'm curious, like, I think some people might think, like, why is Pippin peddling WooCommerce add-ons for Shikanchen Pro instead of trying to push people towards easy digital downloads? Like, what's the what's your answer to that? Well, there's there's a couple of answers. First of all, we've had the EDD version of this member discounts plugin for two years. Right. So if we want to think about it that way, we've been ignoring WooCommerce for two years. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, which is not, is not the truth. Uh, it's just we just finally got around to building the Woo version as well. The real answer, though, is that it's good business. Look, there's a huge number of people running WooCommerce out there, and there's a lot of people running Restricted Content Pro, and there's a lot of people running them both at one time. And for us to say we're not going to support WooCommerce just because we build our own e-commerce plugin would just be plain favorites. And that's not something that we're here to do. Uh, so we want to take advantage, of, not only take advantage for, as a business of the customer base that WooCommerce provides us, but we also want to make sure that our WooCommerce users are taken care of. Right. Well said. Cool. How about you? What have you guys been up to over there? Uh, we, we had a big release of the assets add-on for WP Offload S3. So that add-on allows you to offload your CSS, JavaScript, font files, pretty much all your theme assets, uh, including anything else that's enqueued by WordPress. So, you know, JavaScript libraries or CSS or whatever. And anything enqueued by plugins, like it, it scans for all that stuff, puts it on S3 and serves it from, from S3 or CloudFront, depending on how you configure it. So anyway, we've, we've had a big release of that uh, add-on. We updated the user experience uh, to be a little bit nicer. Uh, it now gives you better feedback. So like when, you're, when it's scanning for those files, it'll show you. It, it provides a UI that gives you the progress of how much has been scanned and how much is left to go and how much has been uploaded, how much is left to go, that kind of thing. And, and gives you like a status of, you know, what's happening right now with this add-on. <laughs> like, is it scanning? Is it, uh, you know, is it serving files? Or, you know, what's happening? So we've, uh, we've done quite a bit to expose all of that information. So it's a little bit more, uh, you know, friendly for, for users. And uh, we've added uh, a feature to exclude files from Minify because we found that uh, we, we had a filter for this. So, but we found that there's quite a few CSS files that Minify screws up and then it screws up their site. You know, that's always been my experience with any plugin that Minify scripts and styles is that there's always some file that just breaks for, I don't know why, but it <laughs> always seems to happen. Yeah. So that's yeah. a great feature. Yeah, so we just have a switch, on-off switch, and you can just I'm punch curious. them in. So yeah. From, since you guys probably have quite a bit of experience like seeing those conflicts on certain files that don't minify right, do you have any insight into what causes them? Is it, is it like a syntax error in the CSS? Is it something else? What, why, why doesn't it work? I don't know, man. I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I could okay. tell you. I don't, I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a, a silver bullet answer. I remember at one point we were looking, we, we used to get Cloudflare's minifier um, would screw up our CSS, like the, the CSS, of our, our plugin. And we knew that our plugin CSS was fine. You know, like It was fine running it through, you know, the standard minify gem um, or whatever the the grunt task or whatever. We just chalked it up to Cloudflare's minifier sucking. <laughs> so that was, that was our explanation for that. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. I, there's no rhyme or reason to it, I don't think. Uh, so uh, some other features, uh, force HTTPS, uh, we added that option in there. And another option, <laughs> until this release, there was really no way in your theme to ask for an asset. So let's say you had an image in your theme, like hard-coded, like an image tag, hard-coded into your theme. Well, what you would normally do there is you would put in, you know, echo, get template directory URI, and then like the path to the image in your, in your theme files, right? Well, that's where it's going to get served from because, because we're not going through and doing a find and replace on any of that stuff. Right, that would just be too taxing on the server to do output buffering and finding and replacing and all that. We just didn't 
bother doing it. But now we have a filter that you can pass in the URL of, of your asset, like the, the URL of your image, and the filter will switch that to the CloudFront URL. And we specifically made it a filter. So there was some debate about whether you know, we should have a template function to get the URL or not. And we decided on a filter. Uh, Ian actually, Ian Jones actually brought this up, uh, and I thought it was pretty clever. With a filter, let's say we disable, or the someone disables our plugin, WP Offload S3 gets disabled or deactivated. The theme will still work, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's smart. No, and that way you can you can use the filter without the plugin being active. And so anybody who wants to just natively support your plugin can just pass the filter in and never have to worry about doing like a function exists check. Exactly, yep. Smart, like it. Yeah, nice and clean. So yeah, I thought that was a nice way to do it. It would be even nicer if there was like a standard filter that WordPress encouraged people to use for for that kind of thing. Um, I think that goes into the the discussion of um, like standard action hooks in themes as well. Right. Which, because uh, if you if you want to go read a long history, go find the track ticket on that, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh man, good times. <laughs> track can be uh, can be fun and exhausting. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, what else did we do? We we published a new blog post. Uh, Matt Shaw did a nice blog post about uh, where he compared the WordPress REST API. I really like this post. admin ajax.php and the performance uh, gap between them. Um, I was actually surprised by the results of this that there wasn't a bigger a bigger gulf in the results. I have a couple comments on that because so I was initially surprised too. I thought it was going to be more substantial, and I think there was a comment on the post that, that mentioned this as well. That I think you need to test it with a few more plugins to be sure. Like okay, here here's just an example. Like I checked the other day, the EDD website has 108 plugins active. <laughs> I bet you our admin Ajax is significantly slower than the REST API. Right. And so like, I think your guys' test compared zero plugins compared with a site running ACF, Akismet, Black Studio, Tiny MCE, WP Migrate, WP Pro, WP Supercache, and EOS SEO, which is a pretty common set of plugins that most sites are going to see. But I do wonder if like once you get in a lot more plugins in there uh, and plugins that, that are adding things to admin Ajax and doing various things, I wonder if there'd be a bigger gap in yeah. performance. Yeah, it would be interesting to see at least an e-commerce plugin in there with some extensions to that e-commerce plugin. Yeah. I like, mean, so for example, if we could if we could prove that using the REST API endpoint was twice as fast as admin Ajax, like for for us in ED. Like and on a on a bigger site that has a lot of plugins, has a lot of data, et cetera, then that would immediately be beneficial for us to do that because it could be a substantial improvement for big sites and a very and a small improvement for everybody. I mean, the the gap here is like forty milliseconds, and that is actually still significant, right? Oh like, yeah. So it it seems like a little, but I mean, when we're talking about you know milliseconds, you know, forty is in the in the life cycle of a page load 40 milliseconds is a long time right. so well, and and i mean don't forget like this is on a relatively clean site like especially not just in terms of the plugins and stuff that are running but also like the database take a database that is significantly larger and imagine that you have maybe post lookups or post meta lookups or user lookups that are happening during admin ajax and if your database has thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of rows that might have a very different impact than on a more clean database. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's something I would like to test from our, like on our site specifically, just to see like, does it give us a significant improvement? We're not the largest ADD site by any means, but we're much larger than average. Yeah. I'd love to see more of these benchmarks done by, you know, other people to see like, it doesn't hurt to have a bunch of different data sets to be looking yeah, at this. absolutely. be really cool. Let's move on to the meta environment stuff. Yeah, this thing's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so you posted this in the show, uh, when, in the planning of the show, and I was like, what the heck is meta environment? <laughs> I, had no, I had no idea. 
So meta environment apparently is kind of like a project within the WordPress community that allows you to uh, contribute to WordPress.org and the other sites, WordPress TV, uh, et cetera. Uh, Basically, the meta environment is everything WordPress.org and associated websites. So that's that's WordPress.org, that's BuddyPress.org, that's Jobs.WordPress.org, that's WordCamp.org, WordPress TV, Developer.WordPress.org, Translate.WordPress.org, et cetera. All of those are in the, the meta environment. Um, and these are, they've, they've actually all been open for contributions for a long time. Uh, they've, they've always had a track. There's meta track um, and you can contribute to them. You can submit patches to it. You can view the bug reports, et cetera. Uh, you can view not all of the code, but some of the code. Uh, there's some things that are still hidden. Uh, but anyway, so this, this ch announcement that was made is, is pretty sweet because a lot of people want to be able to contribute to to meta. So if, for example, if they find a bug on the, on the plugin repository or on the forms or somewhere like that, they would like to be able to contribute and fi help fix it. It was a little hard to do, number one, if you didn't like SVN or two, you didn't know where to go. And so they have switched it over or I'm not hundred percent sure if it's a switch or if it's just the both running side by side, but you can now contribute to the meta environment with Git. So there is now a GitHub repository where you can go check everything out. They have the issues logged on there. You can submit pull requests, et cetera. And it's pretty sweet. They also apparently have it all set up in a vagrant. And so you can, I, I think anyway, you can uh, clone the meta environment and have a local version of all of meta. So like you'd have a local WordPress.org basically. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it up in the show notes. But if you go, there's a GitHub repository. And yeah, that's what it is. It's a... It's a VVV kind of setup, and it should be fairly straightforward to just fire it up. So huh, it's really interesting. I no idea. <laughs> One more way to contribute to WordPress. Yeah, for sure. Should we talk about WordPress 4.6? Yeah, let's do it. So when's this happening? When is WordPress 4.6? Well, right now, while we're recording here on August 4th, it's in release candidate one, and the target launch date, the release date, is uh, August 16th. Cool. And uh, who, who's leading this thing? Uh, this is Dominic Schilling, or Ocean90 is his username. Right. Dominic, I met Dominic for the first time at in Vienna at Contributor Day, actually. Yeah, he's a, he's a young guy. Like he's, I think he's like 20, <laughs> which I didn't, Crazy. I wasn't sure. Like you can't tell very much from people's avatars. Right. And I, yeah. I don't know. I was just expecting, you was here like, oh, I was expecting you to be taller from, <laughs> I don't, and it's so irrational. Like, why would you expect someone to be taller from right. their what avatar? Somebody's face online has said <laughs> you're tall or you're short. Yeah, it's 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 weird that you have these expectations and you don't even know it until you actually meet someone in person. So Aaron Jorben wrote an excellent kind of summary post of what's new in 4.6. So the, the field guide. The field guide. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes. Uh, but that is pretty much what we're going to go through right now um, and just uh, kind of dig into a few things. So... so the, the first thing uh, is the changes to register meta. Um, so register meta has been a, it's been around for a while. I'm not a hundred percent sure how long it's been around. I learned about it for the first time at WordCamp New York. I think Andrew Nason gave a presentation explaining how you should register your meta keys. And I had this reaction of what the F <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about? What is I didn't that? know there was a thing as registering your meta keys. And so basically there is a function called register meta that allows you to let WordPress know about specific metadata that you, that you store. Uh, and so it lets you register your meta key. And then it basically, it, it puts your meta key into kind of the standard WordPress metadata API so that certain filters and things and sanitization hooks and such can run specific to that metadata. And so that WordPress knows about it. So it's been around since version 3.3. So that's pretty, that's a pretty long time. That's like a couple of years at least, you know, because we're at four, we're on 4.6 right now. That's what's, yeah. so, that's so wow. crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had no idea about it either. Um, so in 4.6, they've, they've made some changes to it. 
and there's a blog post that is linked from the field guide that details the exact changes. The the real reason for these these changes and now why like now that I have a better understanding of it, why I would tell you you should use it is because of the, the REST API. So register meta is used by the REST API in order to know what metadata should potentially be revealed in say like the post endpoint, the user's endpoint, your custom post type endpoint, because WordPress cannot just assume that all metadata is public nor that all metadata is private. So one of the things added to register meta is the ability to define whether your metadata should show up in the REST API. So there's a show in REST parameter and you can define it as either true or false. So if you are registering, let's just let's just say for example, you have a, a database of users, like you have a member's directory and you show what state they're from or what country they're from or what city they're from and you have that registered in a piece of metadata. You could register that metadata through register meta on the user's object and then define show and rest as true. And then when you call the WordPress REST API, the value of the, the country field or the state field or whatever you have registered will automatically show up in the REST API in the future. That's what it's for. I don't I don't believe that actually happens quite yet, but it's going to. So I, I'm seeing show in REST in the new register meta function. So if you turn that to true, then it's public, otherwise false. So what happened before this? Like how how does is everything was public? No, it was everything was private. Uh, metadata, I believe metadata just didn't show up. Oh wow. Okay. So this this now, is I, actually I could be wrong on that. Um yeah. I, I know that in in the REST API project, there's been huge discussions about what to do with metadata. Um right. and I'm not hundred percent sure on where it was prior to this. Okay. Huh. I see there's is protected meta is there's a function in there and it just looks at to see if the first character is an underscore and and then determines that that it's protected. But I don't see anywhere where that's like it's not setting any show in rest thing or anything like that. So, yeah, I guess I guess this is a big deal then for the rest API. It is. Um, and it's also more than just the REST API. So it also allows you, and it, and it did this before, but now it's a little, it works a little bit differently. It allows you to go ahead and define sanitization methods that run automatically when the metadata is updated. Usually what, what most people are familiar with, like let's say that you add metadata to a post or a page or something like that. And then you hook into the save post action and you sanitize your data, and then you call update post meta. That's the normal way that almost everybody's used to doing it. Well, with register meta, because it has sanitization callbacks, you can actually define the callback functions that sanitize it, and then you don't even have to sanitize it. You can just pass the data directly to update post meta or update user meta or whichever meta objects you're using. And then during that call of update object meta, it will call the sanitization callback, which also means that your values will be sanitized no matter where they're coming from. So if another plugin calls update post meta on your meta key, your callback functions will run, which is really, really, really nice. It allows you to standardize the sanitization for your metadata across the board. Right. I, I like this update because it, so there, was, there used to be four arguments to this function and it deprecated the, the fourth one and changed the third one to be an array of arguments. So we, we can, in the future, they can add as many uh, default arguments to be passed in to this. And they've already added some that are really good uh, information. For example, there's an argument that you can pass in to tell if the data is uh, just one value or if it's an array of values. That's a nice feature. I mean, prior to that, um, you would have to check, I guess, if something is serialized or not. You'd have to like detect whether or not it's serialized. So yeah, yeah, good step forward here. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the, the blog post that talks about it also mentions a uh, specific backwards compatibility for pre-WordPress 4.6. Basically, there's a filter that you have to re-add if you want to maintain compatibility with 4.6 and sanitization stuff. Uh, so if you do anything with metadata, especially register meta itself, go check it out. Yeah. And if you didn't know about it, go check it out. <laughs> Agreed. All right. What's next? Uh, persistent comment cache. This is pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't even realize that comments 
uh, weren't cached uh, persistently. So, so comments like when you load a page, uh, the first time they would be loaded, they'd be cached so that if they were accessed again later on in the page, then it wouldn't have to query the database again for that data. But that's it. As soon as you navigate to like reload the page or you know browse to another page and then browse back, there it's, it has to query the database on every page load. So now it doesn't. So if you're using an object cache, it's going to use it's going to put the comments in there, so it's not hitting the database. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm kind of excited to see how this affects or if it does affect at all um, performance of any e-commerce site that uses comments, custom comment types. So for example, both EDD and WooCommerce use a custom comment type for order notes. So if an admin wants to put a stored note on an order, it gets it's stored into the comments table with a custom comment type. And that means that large e-commerce stores potentially have tens of thousands or even millions of comment rows that are payment notes. Right. I mean, that wouldn't be that big a deal unless you had a lot of admins in the back end. Uh, well, but they also usually store like automated notices. So like if the status of an order changes, it'll store a note to, to record that change. Oh, okay. And so like, for example, in EDD, every single per, every single completed purchase has a minimum of one payment note on it, recording the thing. And then if that status changes again, it, it records another note. If something else happens on it, like let's say that a referral from Affiliate WP is created for that order, it stores a note on the payment. If there is a commission record recorded for another vendor, it stores a note on the payment. Right. I think WooCommerce uses them as for reviews as well, if I'm not mistaken. So if you if you have, I don't believe so. So does ADD. Yeah. Oh, you both do. Okay. Yeah. So that would be a front end impact as well if you so if someone's running woocommerce or edd and using reviews and those are loading on the front end that would be there's a nice uh, optimization for that definitely yeah uh what's what's next uh wp post type is a new class that's been introduced and it's basically just an object for post types so it's a post type object um Yeah, I I was taking a look. I dug into the code just to see what it looked like, and it's pretty nice. They've basically refactored the register post type function. So register post type has gone from 194 lines of code down to 36. And then basically everything in register post type has been broken up into methods inside the WP post type class. So it's nice and neat and tidy. So pretty pretty nice i like it a lot it's it's just one more step towards standardizing all of the the wordpress code base and the the various apis so like for example the wp post object you interact with that a lot like when you call git post or when you call like functions like to get the title or the content those are all referencing the wp post object well now if you do things like post type supports or is post type viewable or get post type labels things like that it's all now referencing that one post type object. Yeah. So, nice. so previous to this, um, the WP post types global just contained an array of standard objects. So now it's going to contain an array of WP post type objects, which is a nice thing. I, I, I hate the standard, the standard class objects. Like it's like a dog with no name or something, you know, <laughs> like, like it hasn't it hasn't been given the luxury of a name, you know. Anyways, another reason why I like the WP Post Type class, and and this goes for all of the classes that are being introduced, and there's several others in four point six as well, is discoverability. So, like for example, now if you want to go understand what a post type is and the various uh, pieces of information tied to a post type, now you can go to one place and look at the WP Post Type class as opposed to trying to explore all of these global functions that are spread all over the place and then eventually discovering, finding yourself in the WP post types global and just looking at this dump of data. Now you can go to one place and you have everything. Yeah. Good point. All right. What's Uh, next? Oh, this is my favorite. I think native fonts. So, uh, if anybody uses GitHub, 
you may have noticed that the font changed on GitHub recently, and that's because they switched over to the, well, actually, I don't know exactly what they switched over to, but if you're on a Mac, <laughs> you will get the Mac system font for sure. I don't know if, if, it, if they changed things on Windows or not, but anyway, WordPress is going to do something similar. So they're using system fonts. So if you're on a Mac, you'll get San Francisco. Uh, you'll get, uh, I think, Segoy UI on Windows and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the reason for that is that system fonts load quicker. Uh, it has better uh, support for other languages uh, or multiple languages. And uh, it just makes the web app of WordPress look more like you know, the, the operating system that you're working. Suddenly it's not as much of a, um, a jarring experience to go from say some app on your phone to WordPress inside of your mobile browser. They look the same. Yeah, exactly. At least in terms of the font. I like this a lot. I, I do have a concern with it. Um, now it's a concern that honestly, I don't think you can get away from it. I think you just have to bite the bullet and do it. And, that concern is simply for the support teams because I guarantee you when 4.6 drops, WordPress.org will be flooded with people saying, everything changed, my admin looks ugly, what have you done? Stop breaking WordPress. <laughs> I hope, I really hope not. I hope people will see it and say, oh, nice. That's a nice little update they made. I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I doubt it. That, that's my <laughs> speculation. And and honestly, it's not. It's going to be one of those things that people forget after a week. I mean, the, the day that GitHub changed, Twitter exploded with, "Oh my gosh, GitHub looks butt ass ugly now." Oh, really? Wow. Now, it jarred me the first day too. I thought something had broken because now there was something <laughs> weird with my system fonts at the time that it really did look terrible for me. It looks fine now. And I don't know if that was something on my my local system changing or something that GitHub did as well. But it was just people just bitch and moaning about it. Uh, and I think the same thing is going to happen, but it's going to be like for two days, there's just going to be a flood of moans and then no one's going to care. No one's going to remember. Yeah. Just, and it'll be better. Just shut off. Just shut off Help Scout for two days. Everything <laughs> bounce, bounce all the emails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, when, when GitHub changed it, I was just like, it's almost like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Like I, I just, I thought I think the San Francisco font is just so much nicer than Open Sans, and so it's just. I do like it a lot. Oh, it's just it's like there's like more breathing room. Like I don't know how to explain it, but I, I literally felt like I yeah that I was lighter. <laughs> there is a note that we should make for for anybody that's a plugin or a theme developer on this is that if you have admin interfaces and you are writing and you have CSS that affects those and you are defining a font face for. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there and I and don't hate me, but honestly, for silly and maybe possibly stupid reasons, because I don't think this is something you should be doing in a WordPress ad, in an admin interface, because it should just inherit what WordPress uses. But if you do, you should pay attention to that because uh, it's going to suddenly your fonts. If you were defining it and you were just assuming, like you were defining even to the same thing that WordPress was using, your text will now look different than the rest of the WordPress, and you should remove that font face. Right. I see what you mean. So like if, if for example, in Migrate TV Pro, we, in the style sheet for Migrate TV Pro, we had like font face, uh, open sans, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that would, that would break actually. Yeah. So my, my personal opinion is that there's no good reason you should ever be doing that within the WordPress admin. But if you are, or just because you, you, put it in there by like, not even realizing it just because it didn't make any difference, but it just got in there, pay attention and get it out because, and that, that way it'll all look good. Yeah. So do a find for, for font face in your, in your CSS. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's next? Uh, what is next? Shiny updates. Oh yeah. I like this one a lot. Yeah. So what, what exactly is shiny updates? I guess. It's the well, question. there's so a few things. Um, Number one, it was to get rid of what is called the bleak screen of sadness, which I think is kind of a funny name for it. And I never thought it was that bad, but 
a lot of people would really dislike it. And that is the screen that when you install a plugin or you install an update, it just goes to this gray screen and then it just has lines of text that show you what's happening. So it says like downloading update from wordpress.org, installing update, copying files, update completed. They want to get rid of that screen completely. You know why you don't mind it? Because it's almost, it's very, very similar to a CLI. To, to, yeah, to, I would to, love it. <laughs> I like to know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, all the designers are like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. But it is not a wonderful experience. It takes extra time. And so Shiny Updates was a feature plugin project uh, led by Konstantin Obenlin to basically rework the update system so that updates don't require a page load. You click update, there's a little spinner, it installs the update and then it says, we're done. Now, this was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the first half of this was implemented in WordPress 4.5. So like if you went to the plugins page and you click update, it would, it actually did the update in line there and did not actually show you the, that bleak screen of sadness. So that's already been around for a while. Basically, this was the second half of the project that implemented it not only on plugin updates, but bulk plugin updates. So if you update five plugins at once, it will do the do the spinner for all five of them and show the, the updates a lot. Uh, it won't reload the page. And also has implemented for installs. So if you go to the add new screen and you search for a plugin on WordPress.org and you click install now, that page doesn't reload anymore. It just stays right there, gives a little spinner and then says installed and then gives you an option to activate it, which is pretty slick. It's really fast too. So now, honestly, I would say it cut the install time of a new plugin a minimum in half. Right, I like that. I didn't realize that uh, it, it for new plugin installs, it, it was gonna do that. I remember when they were working on it, they, they did yank that part out. They were going to include it in a release, a previous release, and they had to backtrack on it and yank it out. I think that was quite a while ago, though. I don't think it was 4.5. I think it was like, you know, a year ago or something, wasn't it? Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find a version. Uh, 4.2. There you go. <laughs> when was that? Yeah. That was like... Um, and also, I was. it's not just plugins. It's also themes. It is also plugin deletions. And so if you delete a plugin, it doesn't go to that screen anymore. It just stays right there on the page. Right. So this is, this is tie, like finishing it up kind of thing. Yeah, it basically does everything. There is also some updates under the hood to the job, obviously to the JavaScript. It required a lot of JavaScript. And so if you do anything with the updates handle in, in the underlying WordPress JavaScript that handles plugin updates, you'll want to pay attention to it. Specifically, the WP updates update plugin method, um, those yeah. have changed. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've renamed that function. So, But I don't, I don't know why you'd be using that, but in, in case you are... I, we we ran into a few UI issues with this because we do modify the the plugin row. I don't know how to describe it. The, like the row underneath the plugin that says there's there's an update. What we do is if you don't have uh, your license uh, activated yet for the plugin, it adds like another line underneath it that says you know please activate your license before so that you can update, right? Because um, you can't for the pro versions, you can't you can't get the zip unless you have your 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 plugin activated. Do, do you guys do something similar to that, or we do? Yeah, yeah we say um, we we only show it if there's an update available. So if there's no update available, we don't show anything. But if there is an update available, which will show no matter what your license status is, uh, it will then like if your license is either invalid or not there, it will say like you need to have a valid license in order to install this update. Right, that's exactly what we do. Cool. Yeah. We we tested to make sure it it still works. With shiny updates, which is awesome. We didn't have to change anything. Okay, nice. Yeah, ours was just like a, a padding thing or something like sure. just a styling issue, pretty minor thing. It made, it really it made me happy just to see that the shiny updates do what they did and and work as well as they did and actually not break anything. Yeah, because it would have been very easy to break things with it. Yeah, they, well, that's. I think that's why they. I think that's one of the reasons they rolled back uh, a year ago. So, well, congratulations to those people that have been working yeah. on that. That's been like two years at least in the making. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm pretty happy to see it for sure. Yeah. So next is resource hints. 
Can you tell us about that? Sure. So resource hints are uh, optimization of the browser. So you can add a link tag to the head of your HTML document and you define rel equals and then a string. So the strings that you can put in there are DNS prefetch, preconnect, prefetch, and pre-render. So for example, maybe you want to load an image um, maybe after your, the page is loaded so that on any subsequent pages uh, that they browse, uh, that image would be all automatically loaded already in the browser cache. So, you know, there's no wait time. So anyway, uh, WordPress is going to automatically add these resource hints to, so what does it say here? Uh, by default, WP resource hints prints hints for s.w.org. So I'm guessing that's, the CDN for WordPress.org. So like when you're browsing the, the directory within WordPress. And for all scripts and styles which are enqueued from external hosts. Huh. So like, I guess if you're enqueuing like a, like a Google font or something, so it'll add the appropriate resource hints to that to optimize it. So I, I, I haven't really played with uh, resource hints. Have you? I have not. It yeah. looks cool though. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it can be really powerful if you like if there's a resource that the, that you have on your site that's kind of inside your site, and most of your traffic hits like like let's say most of your traffic hits the features page or something of your product, right? And then on the pricing page you have like a big diagram or something. You could preload that diagram before they even click through right. to the pricing to help page. Help that specific page load faster. Yeah, so that the pricing page just loads like almost instantly. There's the browser support for resource hints, I guess, is kind of patchy. I think I think it's prefetch that's fairly well um, well supported, but some of the others aren't so well supported. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we'll link it up in the show notes so you guys can dig into it if you're interested. What's next? Uh, WP Term Query is a new new class. It looks like. Have you looked at that? Uh, just enough to kind of know what it is. I um, have not actually used it yet, uh, but it's basically uh, a similar class to WP Query, WP Comment Query, and WP User Query, but for terms. Uh, so it's just kind of, once again, standardizing all of our different a internal APIs within WordPress to use, the, use their relative classes. And so now if you want to retrieve certain terms from the database and you want to in, include meta queries or date queries or what have you, you can do those through WP term query. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Very handy. Uh, next is translation improvements. Okay. I don't know much about this. Can All right. You this one I'm super excited for. So when I first learned how to write WordPress plugins, and then sometime down the road, a few months, maybe a year or so, I learned about this thing called internationalization that magically allowed my plugin to be translated into other languages. And I thought, that's really cool. I don't understand how it works. I don't know what I need to do. Where I think we, what we see a lot of plugins suffer from is a lack of internationalization support. Uh, because they don't know how to properly load things like the text domain. They don't know how to use the translation functions, et cetera. And so we have a lot of plugins that unfortunately cannot be translated into other languages because they're not internationalized. Well, there is a big improvement in 4.6 that makes every single plugin and theme automatically load a text domain. And so now if you want to internationalize your plugin, the only thing you have to do is pass your your text strings through translation functions. So the double underscore function, the underscore X, underscore E, underscore N, and a variety of others, you don't have to load your text domain. WordPress does it automatically. Ah. Huh. So now the hurdle that you have to get over to learn how to internationalize your plugin is dramatically simpler. It's lessened because you don't have to learn about what is a load plugin text domain? What's the file path that I pass to it? What are these various parameters? How early do I have to load it? Do I have to load it in a hook? Does it have to be in it? Does it have to be in plugins loaded? I don't know. 
one, because there's a lot of different tutorials out there that show different things. And so now you just don't even really have to worry about it. It still works perfectly fine if you do load it yourself, but WordPress core will handle it. Right. I think there's a caveat though. Uh, I'm if, not hundred percent sure. Let's double if, check. If it says, if you distribute your theme slash plugin via wordpress.org. So if you're, if you're doing a commercial ah, plugin, yes. you're, you'd still have to use the load plugin text domain or load theme text domain. So yeah, keep them in I there don't for know commercial the ones. reasons for that. And I'd be interested <laughs> to know what they are, but yes, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So if you sell a commercial plugin, you still need to load your text domain. Right. Cool. And that, you know what? It might just be that because WordPress.org has a database of all of the, the text domains through the translation system. And so they can just use that. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Seems like a plausible explanation. My best guess. Probably wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what this show is all about. Educated right. guessing. <laughs> Isn't it like most of development and like anything we do? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's a performance improvement. <laughs> yeah. We'll measure right. it later. <laughs> Speaking of improvements, uh, there were some improvements made to the customizer API. Do you know anything about these? Not really. No, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't dig into this one. Did you? So I'm going to, I'm just going to read this basically off of the field guide post because I don't know anything about them either. Uh, but apparently there was four major changes in WordPress 4.6 for the customizer. The first is a new collection of APIs for the validation of setting values. So I believe like when, when you set values inside of the customizer, now there's an actual API for validating those. There's some changes been made to the WP Customize Media Control class. And there were some additional changes as well. The main thing is basically uh, if you have custom controls, CSS or JavaScript related to the controls inside the customizer, you will want to probably go ahead and test those to make sure that nothing has affected those. Huh. Good stuff. All right. We got, I think, two left. What's left yeah. next? Bootstrap slash load updates in 4.6. So load loading the plugin.php earlier in WP settings is SSL is now located in WP includes slash load.php and ABS path uh, can now be safely defined before WordPress is loaded. Whoa. So I think That's this, a- yeah. That's actually pretty slick. Yeah. So ah. I, I, I think this is just like reorganizing the boot kind of load process a little bit. Right. Uh, it'll allow people if they want to kind of change where WordPress lives or like where the, the main WordPress files are loaded compared to the config, uh, you, could now, you could now change that through the apps path constant. Right. This is not something to worry about for most, uh, almost all situations. It's right. This is very specialized stuff. Yeah. So, if you maintain a drop-in, though, I think that's when you might want to take a look at it. Like if you have a caching drop-in or something, I think uh, those those are the ones that you kind of that could be affected by this. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, one more thing, I think. Multi-site changes. Have you looked at this at all? Uh, just a little bit. Uh, there's, there, there's a lot there, of changes. <laughs> there are. Jeremy Feld's been working on this, and he's been pushing some some really good multi-site changes along with the rest of the team that works on multi-site for the last several major versions. And so here's another set of changes. And that's uh, there's a new WP site query class, kind of like we just mentioned. There's a WP taxonomy, WP term query. Sorry, class. There's now a WP site query version that allows you to easily query sites. And then there's also a WP network query that allows you to query networks uh, in a standardized way. There's been some improvements made to the lazy loading in WP site and WP network that should help improve some performance. And then there's also some helper functions for getting things like the network ID. And they have also deprecated WP get sites. And so I believe now instead of using WP get sites, you should use WP site query. And then there are also plans to deprecate uh, Git site, Git sites, Git network, and Git networks, I believe. Uh, no, it looks like looks like Git site, Git sites, and Git network, and Git networks oh. are the future. Those are, those are to be introduced in the future. Right? Oh, okay. They're not, they're not in WordPress right now? I don't. I, it's funny. I use multi-site all the time. I use it in all of my development, uh, and I love it. What I don't do, however, very much however, is actually like developing specifically for multi-site, like 
building custom multi-site features. We're doing it a little bit more with one of the add-ons that we built for Restrict Content Pro. We, we built this add-on that allows you to create a new site within a multi-site when somebody registers an account. So we're going to start getting into a lot of this kind of stuff. Right. So, th- so those are actually wrappers for WP Site Query and ah, WP yes, Network right. Query. So, so yeah, d- use those, I guess, is yeah. the, the short of it. Ignore me when I said that they were getting deprecated. <laughs> <laughs> that's very wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm here for. Keep you accountable. <laughs> yeah, fix all the things that I screw up. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool, man. Uh, so I think that's about it for yeah, WordPress. I think, but I think that's enough. That's a lot. That is a so, lot. So this is uh, WordPress 4.6. Remind you, it's coming on August 16th. And so if you haven't tested now, please get testing. It's about time. And if you are like uh, myself, and I'm sure Brad as well, you probably received an email that said you need to update all your plugins. And hopefully you have not done what I did and mostly ignored it because your list is 80,000 plugins long. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I, I always update, I think, two or three or four, I think it is. Uh, Yeah, I get get through the main ones. Yeah. A lot of the little, little one-off plugins that will never change um, and should work until WordPress is in the grave. It's just so time-consuming to go through those. Yeah, I don't. I don't bother with those. I, it's, some of my plugins should probably be be uh, what are you terminated? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's what's the protocol on that. Like, I, I know that that. The plugin team does remove plugins upon yeah, we request. We remove plugins every single day. Right. It's, so that's just standard it's, day at the office. Yeah, it's, it's pretty standard. It happens all the time. Uh, and it's entirely up to the author. So anybody who wants to, like if you have a plugin and you don't want to do it anymore and you want to close it, you can. You can just ask and it will be closed immediately. Um, it's your plugin. So we won't persuade you otherwise. My personal recommendation, like if it's a decent, if it's still a good plugin that's actually used, is put it up for adoption. There's some blog posts on the WP Tavern about how to do that. Let someone else take it over. And then if no one wants to take it over, close it. Right. I have a plugin on there, for example, that is, it's called LinkedIn HResume. And it pulls, pulls it scrapes the content off of your link, your public LinkedIn profile, parses it, parses like the, using H resume microformat parses all the data out into a PHP array and then allows you to do whatever you want with it. But it doesn't work anymore <laughs> at all. And so I'm just like, I don't want to fix it. And I like, I don't care about my resume anymore. So like, like what's the point of having that on there? It's just another plugin in the repo that doesn't work and probably shouldn't be on there, right? An email plugins at wordpress.org. It'll get closed if you want it. Yeah. I guess that's what I should do. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. WordPress 4.6 coming soon. And thanks again to Peter for sponsoring with WP Pusher. Reminder, you can get a 20% discount on your purchase using the discount code apply filters at the WP Pusher website. Talk to you next time.